Let's start with the scriptures in 1 Peter chapter 1, and then John 20, St. John 20. There's the scripture there that we can read that. 1 Peter chapter 1, I'm just going to look at two verses, 8 and 9. Having not seen, you love him. And now you do not see him, yet believing. You rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Now turning to St. John 20, we're going to pick up there at verse 19. Thank you, Brother Mike. That's going to be a big help. St. John 20, beginning at verse 19 at the end of the chapter. Then the same evening, or the same day and evening being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst, and said to them, Peace be with you. I just have to stop there for a moment. Just a parent I shared with me this morning. I heard this before, but it's fresh in my mind. When her husband was ready to pass into glory, a nurse came in and he said, Who's that standing there in the doorway? And she said, No one. Oh, yes, there's a man there in a long white robe and a white beard. And shortly after that, went on that. Who do you think that was? Jesus. There he said, he came to the midst of them and said, Peace. Jesus comes. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, to them again Peace to you. As so the Father has sent me, I also send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, put my fingers in the print of the nails, and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said again, Say it with me, Peace be with you. And then he looked at Thomas and said, Reach your hand here. Look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. Oh, I want to know what they 
someday we will. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Let's say amen together. Amen. We were singing that last song that talks about when Jesus comes back to make us. I just looked out the window. And suddenly it's like the Lord gave me a vision, all those graves popping open. They're going to have a young on a scale, and you better not be out there digging a grave when that happens. They're going to have the jump on us, but we're going to catch up. And we're going to meet together in the air with the Lord. My key verse there is verse 29 out of John 20. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you believe, but blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. That's us, folks. He's talking about us. Sure, you know the story of Helen Keller, a very familiar one. At the age of 19 months, she lost her sight and never hearing. Not being able to talk or communicate, she became more animal than a little girl. Times wild in her despair. But at the age of six and a half, this all changed. Someone entered her life that changed everything. Her name was Annie Sullivan, who incidentally was also blind from an early age. She had a hard life growing up, raised in an institution among derelicts and outcasts. She had been illiterate until she was a teenager. And now at the age of 21, she took on this awesome challenge of helping this little girl, Helen Keller. She began to put Helen in touch with reality. Helen's mother asked, well, how are you going to teach her? What are you going to teach her first? And Anne replied, but how, her mother asked, I will teach her through the sense of touch, answered Anne. So began the long and slow process with the word doll, the O-L-L. Annie's forefinger stretched, a sketched an image on Helen's hand. Then she guided Helen's hand over the figure of the doll. That was the introduction to the alphabet for the deaf. Helen began her long and journey toward reality. And we read here in St. John's Gospel the story of Jesus' appearance to his disciples after his resurrection. He appeared to them. John recalls this touching encounter between Jesus and the doubting Thomas as we refer to him yet today. The other disciples had said to Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas wasn't ready to believe that. Who ever heard of someone coming back from the dead? You remember Thomas is the one that said, let's go up to Jerusalem and die with him. Well, that shows me he loved his Lord and he was ready to die with him. And so he saw that happen. That was reality to Thomas. What do you mean you saw Jesus? He's dead and in the tomb. I think that's what Thomas was thinking. There in verse 16 of John 11, with the very words when Thomas said, Let us go up and die with him. He was ready. He didn't lack courage. 
By nature, he may have been a pessimist, but there can be no doubt that Thomas's devotion to his Lord. He loved him enough to go and die with him. What about the other disciples? I mean, we talk about Thomas being the doubted, doubting one, as if you know, he wasn't quite up to par with the other disciples. Well, what were they doing? They were in hiding. They were in fear. Thomas was heartbroken as well. But I think he chose to go off by himself with his grief. He didn't want to face the other disciples. He wanted to be alone. And there's times like that for all of us. So when Jesus came back to be with the disciples, well, Thomas was missing. He wasn't there. And so the disciples were quick to tell him that Jesus had been with them. He appeared to them. This news of Jesus coming back, this was too much for Thomas to grasp. He knew he died so he says, well, if I could see the nail print in his hand, and if I could put my hand into the side where he was pierced, then I would know that it is really Jesus and has come back from the dead. Another day goes by. Now Thomas is with the disciples, and suddenly, you know, the doors were closed, and there Jesus was. That means he walked right through the wall, right? Right through the door that was locked. There he was. Jesus being all knowing. You catch that? He knew exactly the conversation that had taken place. Thomas had told the disciples what it took for him to believe. Because that's the first thing he said to Jesus. Or to Thomas. Thomas is overwhelmed. Out of a heart of love and devotion, all he could say is, My Lord. It's not be too hard on Thomas. I think I might have reacted the very same way. I don't know who ever heard of the resurrection at that time. We can look back in the scriptures. We see the accounts. Remember, these men are living. Jesus turns to Thomas and he says those wonderful words Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen me yet have believed. We're blessed, folks. Thomas believed because he saw. Happy are those who believe through the eyes of faith, having not seen. We have faced reality because Jesus is alive. He's real. He's coming back again to get the believing church his bride. Oh, hallelujah. What a day that's going to be. I can hardly wait. As we study these verses, we see more about the character of Thomas. He made one mistake there. He withdrew from Christian fellowship. He sought loneliness rather than to be with his brothers and sisters. In doing so, he missed the first appearance of Christ. You know, friends, when we aren't in church, we miss a lot. We need one another for fellowship. Some say, well, I can make it on my own. I can go to the top of the mountain and worship. Perhaps. But then again, you might come up short. 
Some deal with sorrow by shutting everyone else out. When they read the kind words and prayers of encouragement of the brothers and sisters. We need each other to share our common burdens. As well as to rejoice together with our praises to God for victories of the world. I often think about, about it like this. When someone's testifying how God has helped them, how many more in the congregation might be experiencing that very thing and say, okay, Lord, you, you helped whoever it is. You can help me. And so it's an encouragement one to another. So let's keep sharing together, praising the Lord. Well, the person stays in their doubts too long, they can become critical. They become bitter. But if they fight their doubts and uncertainties to the conviction that Jesus is Lord, when we have a problem, look, don't look at your problem, look at Jesus because he's greater. And he's with us all through to eternity. So faith seems it didn't come easy for Thomas, but he counted the cost and he moved forward. He became a man who ultimately, with faith and belief and obedience, went as an evangelist in the country of India. And all the eternity will reveal how many saints in heaven because of what he did there. He died for his faith, giving his life eventually to the cause of the gospel. In Acts chapter 2, we see a vital church that is growing. They had joined with Thomas in a profound profession of faith. They had seen the risen Lord, but many had not. They all recognized his real presence among them as they broke bread and fellowship together. This was a true community of believers bound together in the love of Christ. And that's not pleasant. We're a community of believers. We break bread together. Oh, yes, there's food. Let's join them. And that fellowship. You can't have fellowship without food, right? Eyes. I was the doctor this week. I have good news. I lost some weight. But guess what he told me now, Pastor? No more pies and cakes. I said, what are you saying? I'll try to be good. That's another piece said now. If you're good all week long, he's fried, you can celebrate. <laughs> so, that wasn't even on my notes. Oh, yes, talk about breaking bread and fellowship with your brothers. Yes, down in verses 46 and 47, it says they continued daily with one accord in his temple. Breaking bread from house to house, giving their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily as those of the weak. When a physical or spiritual need became to the church, they took note and took action. Verse 44 they had all things in common. So these New Testament believers were demonstrating their love one for another by giving sacrificially and helping each other. You know, I, I really believe the reason the government got into the welfare program is because the church is a large family. 
really do not. That's what I feel. Friends, beloved, we need to take care of those in our midst that are needy. Thank the Lord for our good deacons that are, have their ear to the ground and they're helping those that are needy. And we do this where Christ's hands extended. Each act of Christian love and service done in his name actually bear the stars in heaven. Jesus did it for us. Let's be Jesus and help you. Now, we began our message talking about blind girl, Helen Keller. In one of her writings, Helen recalls the first time she wondered about the word love. Miss Solomon put her arms gently around me and spelled into my hand, I love Helen. Which asked, well, what is love? She drew me close again and said, it is here, and pointed to my heart. Still puzzled, Helen said, well, if, if love might not be fragrance of a flower, feel the warm sunshine. Valley, her patient teacher, explained something like this. Love is like the clouds in the sky before the sun comes out. You can't touch those clouds, but you feel the rain. You know how glad the flowers are and the thirsty ground are to have it after a hot day. You can't love either. But you feel the sweetness that is poured into everything. Without love, you wouldn't be happy and you would not want to go out and play. Then she put her arms around me and spelled it in my hand, Helen, I love you. Finally, I understood Annie's message. Love now became real to Helen. In her mind, in her heart, she understood that this is just like our Lord Jesus. He wants to come in his fullness and, and shower us with his love. His power is able to fill our hearts with his love, to overflowing. We find our faith is feeble and our obedience lukewarm, and we can almost slip into indifference. Oh, let's not make the same mistake that Thomas made. Rather, Philip said to Jesus, show us the Father and it will be enough for us. Well, that sounds all right. Oh, but just think about it for a moment. How do you think Jesus felt when Philip asked that? He answered Philip, he said, after all this time I've been with you and you still don't know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. The Lord wasn't in hiding, was he? was right there with them. The problem was, just as Philip, oftentimes we're blinded to what is around us. God's love, it, it, it's, it's extended to us through Jesus dying on the cross. He loves us. He's at work within us and among us. He wants everyone for his own. But, if we reject his love, something else will take place. Now, I can easily think back 50 years ago. A lot of you here can't. Remember back in 1969, that terrible tragedy that happened in California? There was a cult group followed a man by the name of Charles Manson. And one of his, one of his devoted followers 
was a man by the name of Ken Watson. He gave his all in following Charles Madsen. Ken writes a book entitled, Will You Die For Me? He said at that time that as he murdered actress Sharon Tate, he felt no remorse whatsoever. You see, Madsen told his father, I want you to quit this house and kill everybody here as a, as, as a statement. He was numb to his feelings, maybe in part because of drugs that he might have been on, but even greater was the desire in his heart to obey Manson's every command because he believed a false hope that Manson was God. Would it surprise you to know that Ted Watson was taken to church as a child? He had Christian parents, faithfully involved in the Methodist church. But as a young man, Watson turned away from God, his family. He moved eventually out to California. He himself later testified how shocked he was and how far sin had taken him. In prison, praise the Lord, he came to solid faith in Jesus Christ, knowing that he would now spend eternity with his Lord. No, he'd never see the light of day. He was in prison until his last breath. But in this life, he had lost so much because of the scars of sin. Even though he now was a believer, sin's consequences still need to be made, right? After all these years, I believe he's still incarcerated. But thank God for forgiveness and for redemption, no matter how far one goes into sin. You know, the blood of Jesus goes deeper than the stain of sin. Jesus died for all of mankind, offering salvation to whosoever will. Those who only seek Him. Oh, friends, let's let's share this good news. Let's live the life before others. Let's say there's something different about you. There is the open door to begin to share your testimony. Jesus wants the world to know that He loves them just as that little girl Helen. Found out, and spelled those words, I love you, in her hands. Let's take the love of Jesus to the lost and dying world. Amen? Amen. Having not seen, yet we believe. The worship team is coming. Let's stand together as we sing our worship team right here.